Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. You can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station, and you can watch us. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Supertalk TV and raise your hand unless you're driving if you're enjoying the fake fall. While it lasts, because she came in last night and she's going to stick around for about 48 hours and then she's going to head on back out uh, to wherever she is to prepare to come back in a couple of weeks for actual fall. But we will do this several times here in Mississippi. We will ebb and flow between fake fall back to Hell's Front Porch, fake fall back to Hell's Front Porch. And it just kind of blends itself into actual fall like weather and then winter. It's pretty much how it goes. But regardless, we've all been suffering in these triple degree heats and these outrageous heat indexes for which now feels like your entire life, that even just a 24 hour break from it, you appreciate it. And I think it's supposed to get even a shimmy bit better tomorrow, like tonight oh, and yeah. then into tomorrow. Yeah. The, in terms uh, of the break from the it. Overnight lows have a six at the beginning of the number. It's been a minute. Tell me that that does not just automatically boost your mood. Oh, yeah. Automatically. Just knowing it's coming. I woke up this morning peppier than normal. Just knowing that when I walk outside, there was just going to be, it wasn't going to be like walking into an oven. You just knew, weatherman lady got it right, you were going to walk outside. It was just going to feel a little bit different. And it did. And it set the tone for your whole day. Now you're just waiting for in the morning to be able to wake up and sort of enjoy it. We tend to really like whatever season is coming next at the until end of this season. Oh, yeah. But I do feel like there's a lot of folks that are hardcore fall fanatics. Like, that is your season. Like, you are counting down the days for so many reasons. Football, just pumpkin spice, you know, all the things. But it's the weather, too, that just tends to, like, marry what you appreciate about all the seasons, kind of, right wrapped into that one. You know, spring would really fall into that, except you got the whole um, allergy thing that kind of happens in spring that doesn't always happen. I mean, it tends to rain a bit more in the spring than it does in the fall. Right. So fall just kind of has some of its, you know, better, I guess, better whatever to it. So I have a would you rather. All right. So would you rather win the lottery... But it has to stay a hundred plus degrees forever. Or would you rather live in fall or spring 
you can choose your preferred weather pattern year-round, but no bueno on the lottery ever. I mean, considering the odds of me actually winning the lottery are slim to none, I think well, I would take spring, fall. get the lottery, like I gave you that much. So would you rather win the lottery, but it stays 100 plus degrees forever and ever and amen? Like yesterday, I think yesterday was the absolute bottom pit of hell. I'm just, you know, it's a place. Yeah, I think we were there yesterday. I think yesterday <laughs> we finally found rock bottom in terms of heat indexes. So would you rather live like yesterday forever, but you won the lottery? Or would you forego no bueno on the lottery and get lifetime of fall spring like weather? I mean, if I won the lottery with like the the big lotto win where you get like $20 million a year in an annuity, I could build a little personal bubble that's air conditioned all the time so i think i might pick the lottery or do you think you just end up getting acclimated to the eventually i mean you there are people that live in climates where it's routinely over a hundred and they don't ever look happy that well they survive though and And i imagine they would survive a lot better if they had the lottery winnings don't the people who are like the most wealth the wealthiest in the world don't most of them come where there's a lot of heat and sand oh yeah but they don't look happy Depends on where you see them. You've never seen an angry Jamaican. (laughs) I think there's other reasons for that. Well. (laughs) Might be chemically induced. Either way. I mean, but I guess it's hot there, too. So that doesn't really bode in my my sort of favor. Um, I, but, you know, me, for someone who's never really played lottery or care about having large lump sums of money, I would pick the better way i'm just in a better mood when i'm not sweaty in places that shouldn't be sweaty when i'm dressed nice i am just happier all around when i have good hair days just happier all around you can't money can't buy that the caveat is could you then travel to other places to experience different climates because i feel like both of those would get a little monotonous at some point like the 100 degree heat would wear on you till you got acclimated but you'd be able to cry yourself to sleep on your bed of giant pile of money versus spring or fall, I would get to the point where I would miss those cold snap days every once in a while. So it goes to show that even though we complain, we kind of need the extreme to be able to appreciate the comfort of the other or what the other um, seasons bring. Well, I mean, we were all excited. There are some of you out there that just couldn't wait for summer to get here. Like last winter, I agree, when when it's like 20 degrees and everything's iced over, that's no fun. And you dream of these sort of warmer days where you can lay out by the heat. But after having it for what feels like the last six months, you're ready for something that feels a little cooler. So I think there is something in our human nature that needs the ebb and flow to appreciate, you know, what's coming next. We need the change uh, of the seasons for for us to be able to appreciate what the next one's going to give. But Lance says, win the lottery, no question about it. Mike from Chicago, summer, all year long, win the lottery. I'll even take the humidity. Mike from Chicago. He says, I don't assume sugar, so dealing with the heat is much easier, he said. So he's a little bit, he's a little bit fitter. I don't know. I mean, I agree with the having to stick with one forever with neither way is like a good, but it's just something to think about. Well, that's the perfect would you rather. I mean, they both have their pros and cons. Correct. I don't know. I still think if I, if it can't, because then it really just comes down to the wet, like which weather can you tolerate 
the best. I'm going with fall and just keep my day life the same. I'm going to get bored if I win the lottery. You can no, only vacation so much. All the responses. You know how many? I'd feel so guilty. All the people I could have fed but didn't because I bought things I shouldn't. I guess I could feel guilty for that now. <laughs> it just feels like I'm doing good to feed the ones I got. So, you know, but I think it, uh, you know. Anyway, so would you rather win the lottery, but it has to say 100 plus degrees, or rather live in the fall like weather year round, but you don't get the lottery ever? What would you miss, though, if it had to be summer 365 days? Like if you had to pick out of the other seasons, what brings you the most joy? Oh, definitely sitting on a cold front porch with a hot cup of coffee. How cold is too cold? Oh, it takes pretty dang cold for me to not want to go outside. Just to sit there and enjoy your cup of coffee? Because, I mean, I can put on layers if it's really cold and I still want to sit out there. I can grab a blanket or something and wrap around me. But it goes back to what I always say. I can always layer up. I can only get so naked. Exactly. But you can get, what, naked and count your hundreds? Is that what we're tell- what you're telling me it would be here? <laughs> <laughs> There's a visual that you needed on this Tuesday. I mean, afternoon. if you win the lottery, you can pay somebody that has a little palm frond and fan you. This is true. Live like a pharaoh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you get to decide. Oh, someone said I vote summer year round. No, I'm all by myself. Is there nobody else out there that doesn't care about money that much? <laughs> Somebody out there cares about a crisp breeze, pumpkin spice latte, and pumpkins decorating their front porch. And I, Thanksgiving would be weird with 100-degree temperatures. Without the, without any fall, there's no football. So you'd rather give up football and, ever win, and to win the lottery? I mean, they could still play football. It'd just be a whole lot of water breaks. Everybody meet Elvis. I mean, they played the World Cup in Qatar, and it's 100 degrees out there. How how long and how far in advance did they go to acclimate? Uh, not that long, like three weeks. Or they just go to different places in their home country or whatever that would be the same. I mean, that's one of the arguments about 2026 coming around because it's Mexico, the U.S., and Canada hosting, and some of the host sites like there. I think there's two host sites in Texas where. It's going to be just as hot as it was in Qatar. Win the lottery and buy a snow machine. That would be a hard-working snow machine. That snow machine would hate you if you tried to put a snow machine out in Mississippi yesterday in yesterday's heat and humidity. Oh, my gosh. Finally, fall for me. I'm a deer hunter. I appreciate you. Thank you. Somebody else who's not money hungry. Hmm? Uh, all right, stick with us. we got a lot more good for you coming up next. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. 
can watch good things. We are on your computer, your mobile device. You can watch on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices. You can even find us on YouTube. If you've got C Spire TV, we are on Channel 70, right next to the Weather Channel, which we are celebrating our fake fall here in Mississippi. But fake fall does mean the start of football season, so I can't believe some of you would take the lottery and stick in summer and not forego the lottery so you could have fall and football season. But I know my guest who's joining us now, Nash Nunnery, he's an author of a new book that celebrates Mississippi's iconic high school football fields would choose fall absolutely and forego the lottery absolutely I th- he may just be saying that too because i felt all alone in my personal decision but no this celebrates your your book which obviously football uh, is around the fall here in the south magnolia gridiron cathedrals is the name of your new title which i think is awesome and i also have never thought about our football fields for as being cathedrals but to some it really you know sport can toe the line like a religion although it's not we're not getting into that sort of argument but it's a it's a way of looking at it because many of you have great uh, memories and connections to those football fields in your hometowns. Okay, take us back. Nash, When did how did all this get started for, for you to feel like this book needed to be uh, created? Well, Rebecca, I've been a freelance writer for the past, I'm going to say 40 years, but it may be longer than that. Uh, I started in my high school journalism department uh, um, as a sports editor of the school newspaper, and I'm, I'm getting it. That's a no, long absolutely. way to get around. We got plenty of time. Um, and my journalism teacher asked me to keep a journal my senior year. I was playing football, and she said, well, if you're going to be a sports writer, you need to learn how to journal and talk to interview people and coaches. And I think I'm the only sports writer in the history of journalism that covered his own team that he played for. So, um, Did you write with a biased? Uh, absolutely. It's the Clinton <laughs> High School newspaper. Of course, I wrote for a, with a bias, but but uh, uh, that's kind of how she. I kept this journal, and during COVID, I was as a lot of us did. We went through our old things because we had nothing else to do, and I found this old journal, and in it, I had described practices, games in full detail. Um, visiting other high school football fields like Brandon and Pearl and McGee and Mendenhall. And I very aptly described these fields. And it got me to thinking, you know, I would love to go back in time and go just go check out those fields again. So my wife and I got in the car. This is during COVID again. What else are you going to do? Let's get outside. And uh, we drove to Brandon and we had Strickland Field, the old field. Of course, they have a new field now. Um, over at Pearl, they have a new field. Went by Shepherd Field and drove down to Mendenhall and McGee, and it just sparked an idea. You know what? Somebody needs to document these fields. These fields have history in them. I I played on those fields that I mentioned, and uh, I just and I've always had this love of old ballparks, whether Wrigley Field in Chicago or Fenway Park or uh, or, or any place. I've just had a, a love affair with old sporting venues and that's kind of how this got started in in a nutshell well on any given friday night it's full of memories but some are positive and then some are not so much right because there's a winner and sort of there's a also a loser and so when you think about over the decades particularly here in our state where a lot of folks grow up have children and then their children play on the same fields that you know they played on it's sort of generational those memories just start getting really compounded into you know one sort of setting one sort of thing and even when the new field is um, built, which is often celebrated, the old one still is around and those are still part of the throwback stories and, you know, all of that in the community. So when you say it that way, 
I mean, it makes perfect sense. So why hadn't this book ever been written before, Nash? That's a good question. I'm glad, and I'm glad it hadn't. When I t- undertook the idea to write the book, Rebecca, I I Googled, I researched, I tried to find, is there any other book in the United States like this? And mine's the first. I mean, documenting old vintage fields in a state. Uh, we documented 47. My wife was the chief photographer on the project. She took over 1,500 photographs. Um, we traveled 3,626 miles across the, from Water Valley to Pascagoula and many points in between. Uh, the book has features 47 fields. Each field had to be at least 50 years old. I was going to say, what were the stipulations for the field, Nash? Fields? They had to be at least 50 years old and and or have some interesting historical or quirk about it. And when I say quirk, I'll give you an example. Uh, Carter Field in Vardaman, Mississippi, the sweet potato capital of the world. Uh, the sideline bleachers, the home bleachers, are exactly 17 and a half feet from the sideline stripe. That's very close. Uh, this is an old school field. It's made of uh, cinder blocks that are built up on each other. It's just a really cool setting for for high school football, uh, and that field probably goes back to the to the mid twenties. I could not um, find every field's exact mm-hmm. birth, but uh, we we came very close on most of them. And then you then who else are you interviewing? I saw where you interview. How do you then choose how to tell that filled story? So in the book, uh, Magnolia Gridiron Cathedrals, Nash is like each field its own chapter, like the 47 chapters sort of dedicated to. Yes, we have 47 chapters. Now, there's there's a, we have 246 pictures plus Marshall Ramsey. Artist extraordinaire provided paintings for all 47 fields, and they, they come along with the book. Marshall will at some time be selling prints of those fields. Um, he'll announce that himself. Um, but, yes, I, I put together – I did over 94 interviews. Uh, we talked to townspeople in those towns, coaches, former players, uh, just to get a field. So I wanted to get the human side of that field to tell its story. And uh, I heard a lot of stories. It Do was, all 47 have a different personality? Absolutely. In fact, somebody asked me the other day, how did you choose your fields? And which one do you like best? And I said, they're all like my children. They're all yeah. 47. They're like my children. They all have their own distinct personality. Well, you're allowed to like anyone in Clinton the best since that's where you <laughs> played on yourself. Is that original field still still in Clinton? It is not. In fact, when uh, we moved to Clinton in the mid-60s, I was in the fourth grade. I'm an old guy, by the way, uh, if you couldn't tell. Um, the field there was called crane field and the and the school played both baseball and football on that field so you would in the in the fall you would see vestiges of the infield cut out in one of the end zones i mean dugouts on each side so it was kind of like wrigley field in chicago back in the day um um, in 1970, they built Roy Burkett Field, which I played on, and Roy Burkett was around for 36 years. They passed a bond issue, wanted to build a brand-new state-of-the-art field to match the new high school in 19, that they had built in 1997. So they moved out of Roy Burkett Field in uh, 2006. Um, so in my time, Clinton's had three different fields since the mid-1960s. Other schools like, say, Philadelphia, Mississippi, that field has been around. A, it will celebrate its 103rd wow. birthday this year, and they're still utilizing that field. 
That's in, that's incredible to think that that. I mean, I wonder who has the most generations that have played on that build. Because if you think about it, a hundred years, that's at least three, potentially five, depending on you know how how we procreate well, generations that well, could make it through. Funny you ask me that because I interviewed at Philadelphia three different generations of players and or coaches that that have played at Harpole Stadium in Philadelphia. Have you found that even though you had this idea, Nash, to or had this inkling that there was something special about our historic football fields, when you got out there and started interviewing everybody, did you recognize other people realized that they were special they just maybe didn't know how to articulate it like everybody appreciated it even if it wasn't something they you know got up on the morning monday and thought about oh certainly when you go in a lot of these small communities in mississippi like and, and we went to every all 47 fields all across the state of course, we'd go to dinner, or we'd, sometimes we'd have to stay overnight, um, and we would, what are you doing here? Well, I'm here to write a book about so-and-so field. Oh, my gosh, I could tell you stories. My granddaddy played on that field, and uh, I mean, it just went on and on and on and on, and it's really, those fields are really the tie that binds those a lot of those communities together. Well, I mean, even in Brandon, like I know in so many other small towns, and I know Brandon's not necessarily small compared to others listening to good things, but on Friday, the kids wear the colors to school. Shops close down during football season early on the, you know, so everyone can have time to go to the game. I mean, you don't even have to really appreciate the game of football to appreciate what it can do for a small town. And then you pack on, you know, them actually being decent or at least going for a run at being good. And then it's a great way to sort of bring the the community together. And then local, like cross uh, cross pollinating to visiting, you know, communities that. That you might otherwise not in terms of Brandon going to Clinton or going down to, you know, Hattiesburg or, or whatever it may be. So even if you're not a fan of the sport, you can appreciate what it does as the community sort of as a as a whole. You can also appreciate learning history. And we've got more coming up with Nash Nunnery. He's the author of Magnolia Gridiron Cathedrals coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. You can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station, and you can watch us. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Supertalk TV, and if this fake ball gets you excited about anything, it's about watching some football. But we want to take you back in time, or at least that's what the author Nash Nunnery is trying to do with his book, Magnolia Gridiron Cathedrals. It is, it is celebrating our iconic high school football fields, but I guess, though, Nash, I I am not completely true in that because some of them are still being used. Some of the 47 fields that you highlighted in your book that had to be at least 50 years or older are gearing up for Friday Night Lights this coming up, uh, I guess, fall season. Absolutely. Rebecca, we have at least three of the 47 fields that are over 100 years old. And I'll Philadelphia. Harpole Stadium in Philadelphia, Mississippi, home of Marcus Dupree. It's 103. Forest County Agricultural High School in the unincorporated area of Brooklyn, Mississippi, south of Hattiesburg. Um, that field will be 102 this year. And then in uh, Vicksburg, San Aloysius Catholic School, um, ballsy field there. Um, the, the stadium itself is not that old. It, it dates back to, I think, 1912, but the site as an athletic venue in Vicksburg, dates back to the early 1890s. So, um, And they're all being used today. When you're thinking about that and thinking about 100 years, that's 100 years of, like, cutting the grass, of putting out the stripes, of, you know, touchdowns, of all the dreams, you know, made and then dreams squashed and just all this sweat. I mean, when you stop and really sort of soak in what 100 years of that dirt has sort of seen, it can be kind of like, I mean, if you're sentimental like I am and I don't even care for the sport, it can get kind of overwhelming did you ever get overwhelmed while writing your book oh absolutely and, and one of the things when you when you talk about mowing the grass it had unless they had artificial turf i think maybe we had four fields that have artificial turf which, for the last 50 years or they just switched over. no they switched over okay. yeah yeah no that's some good turf <laughs> but because they're but the, but the fields are over 50 yeah. years old but they some switched to turf uh four or five that, that we had in there the guys that the coaches the head coaches Take care of the grass, mow the grass themselves. That's their baby. That's their calling card. I, I was just amazed. I mean, a 6A head coach mowing his own grass, and he said, I won't let anybody touch it. You know, a couple of guys did. Um, it, it just means that they want it to look good on on those five or six Friday nights in the fall. So the book, Magnolia Gridiron Cathedrals, 47 chapters. You highlight 47 different fields right here in Mississippi. Is it like also, I know you mentioned all the photos. Is it like a coffee table book or is it also like a reading? Like how would you, how do you use it? Absolutely. This this is a coffee table book. And this is a coffee table book that will not gather dust. Because like you say, no matter if you're a football fan or not, we have paintings by Marshall Ramsey. If you're into art, we have that. We don't celebrate winning championships or players or coaches. This is all about football fields. This is not about – there's books being written and will continue to be written on the history of football in this state. But these are about the fields, the venues where they play the game. 
which those books couldn't happen if it wasn't for the fields and the venues. And even though many schools have, you know, sort of upgraded or, I guess, built new ones due to the popularity of the sport and, the, you know, the uh, technology, yes. some things just never change with the football field. It's crazy to me, however long the sport's been around, like the field structure for the most part is the, the same, right? Like that hasn't – everything around it has gotten bigger, more technologically advanced and, you know, bougier. But the, but the field is pretty much – much the same. A hundred yards long, ten yard end zones, and about the only thing they've changed are, are the goalposts. They've gotten, uh, you know, um, taller uh, because these kids, these soccer style kickers, can boom them from way out. So they the official needs a little bit more room to, to signal to, to see if the ball is going to go through a crossbar. Through a crossbar. Was there a commonality in all forty-seven stories? The commonality in all 47 would be the folks that that really celebrate where their school plays football. Um, and I don't, I, and I don't think they were putting on a show for me when I visited these places. I mean, uh, folks in restaurants and hotels and people I would run into on downtown streets, whether it be in Water Valley or Shannon or uh, Purvis or Picayune. Um, it's a celeb- these fields are a cathedral. They're hallowed ground to the folks that live there and, and their kids that go to school there or their daddies that play there. However, it, there's just that connection. It really is. Most surprising fact you found out about, or one of the most surprising facts you found out about one of the 47. Um, Ray Stadium in Meridian, Mississippi. You were just talking about that a while ago. Um, it, Bubba from Meridian Text did uh, Bubba. Uh, it goes back to the 1930s. In fact, it's the largest uh, uh, seating capacity of a high school field in the state. Really? 15,000 folks will, can sit in Ray Stadium. Um, have fact, they ever packed it out? I, I couldn't. No, that you I could not. I'm sure they have uh, at some point. I'm, I'm sure they, they would have built it, built it if they didn't <laughs> yeah. feel like they would come, right? Exactly. But in the uh, in 19, a guy told me a story. In fact, the uh, director of the Max there in Meridian, he lives across the street from the stadium, and he told me a story. Um, he said there was a young musician that, in fact, they did a lot of things right besides play football. They had concerts, boxing matches, rodeos. I mean, from the 1930s until I don't I don't know if they still do that anymore. But anyway, there was a music festival there in the in the mid 1950s and uh, a young musician um did not he was on the top of the bill and he had no money. Uh no money for a motel room, so they allowed him to spend the night under a bench uh on the playing field of Ray Stadium. And that young musician turned out to be Elvis Presley. Well, what do you think about that? Huh. And so, and two, you know, you in the book, you have one of our own here at Super Talk, Brian Haydad, which is coming up next with uh, Sports Talk Mississippi, and he's got Thunder and Lightning. What was his sort of connection to your book there, Nash? Yes, uh, Brian played football at uh, St. Aloysius High School, Catholic School in uh, Vicksburg. As we mentioned earlier, one of the early, uh, oldest venues, or the oldest venue in the state. And uh, um, Brian shared a, a couple of stories with me and uh, made me laugh a few times. But uh, you'll have to pick up the book to uh, to, to see to see Brian's stories. But yeah, Brian was a was a great uh, great interview, and I enjoyed talking to him. So how how do we get the book, Nash? Right now, it is on sale at Lemuria. 
um, um, go by there, or you can go on my Facebook page, Nash Nunnery on Facebook, and uh, send me a PM. I'll make sure you get a book. We've got about 11 more book signings around the state to do. Um, I'll, I'll Is there a schedule where folks can find where if you're going to be in their area? Uh I'll have to post it. Uh, we we have not. You need I don't, to do that. I, absolutely, I will do it. I, I don't have a. I don't. The book does not have its own website yet. I'm hoping it will get one. Um, but this weekend we will be at the Mississippi Book Festival um, in the signing tent at 1:45 with uh, several other wonderful, wonderful authors. Um, and I have the privilege of serving on a panel from four to five. These, uh, along with authors of books on Mississippi culture, they considered my book part of Mississippi culture. Absolutely. There's an author there who wrote a book about professional wrestling history in Mississippi, the history of signs in Mississippi, uh, a Mississippi Delta history book, and a couple others. And Mr. Mr. Marshall Ramsey will be moderating that panel. So it will be in room 113 in the state capitol building. Have you thought what would have happened? Well, I guess you wouldn't know if you wouldn't have found your journal, if you wouldn't have kept the journal. Well, as a freelance writer, for I've done most around almost 2,000 articles in my 40-year career for various newspapers and magazines around the state. And I've always... Sir, I never could find a subject for a book, and when I found that journal, found my subject for the I'm 67 years old, my first book, and so this is... Would baseball fields fall into... Absolutely. I, want, I would love... <laughs> baseball fields have equality with me in football fields. I would love to do a baseball field. Because, they, I mean, for most schools, if they had, well, football would probably be in the primary, and then the baseball yes. would have come, so probably second, if they didn't come at the same time. But there are some, and I told, I've told people this, too, I used to have, a, I used to be a, a salesperson in the early 2000s and, and travel the length of the state weekly, and one of the first things i do when I get to town would go to the local high school, I want to check out the football field, and check out their baseball field, because I'm a field nerd. And so I have found a lot of interesting baseball venues as well. So I would love to do a second book on baseball fields. I would love to know all the hot dogs, hamburgers, sour straws, all the things that have been sold at the concessions over the last 15 years <laughs> at those particular fields, uh, too, because, you know, there's that's the whole life that goes on at those particular fields. And one thing you've done, Ash, is as we move into this you know Friday night football season to think about the stadium and the history, particularly if it is, you know, a historic one that's been in your community for a while. Don't take it for granted because you no. never know when it may no longer uh, sort of be there. But, again, your Facebook page so folks can go and get it. What is it? Just Nash, N-A-S-H, Nunnery, N-U-N-N-E-R-Y. And that is Magnolia Gridiron Cathedrals. And I appreciate your time, Nash. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I enjoyed it. All right. Stick with us. We've got a few more good things for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
talk about the good things, don't forget, you can find us on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. You can also catch good things in podcast form wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can still register for the Guns N' Roses giveaway. They're coming to the Mississippi Gulf Coast Coliseum or the Mississippi Coast Coliseum. I guess we can add golf in there. You know where to go. It's on the coast. <laughs> it's the only coliseum down there. And they're coming September the 20th. And we want to give you a chance to be there. You can win a pair of tickets, uh, a night at the Beau Rivage, and a limo ride to and from the concert. You must be 21 to enter. And to find out where, go to supertalk.fm slash GNR to find a registration box near you. I'm loving on the ceasefire text line, all of you who are sharing the different fields in your locations that may hit that like 50-year mark or more. It just goes to show that, yeah, football really does bind us sort of all um, together. I didn't even ask. I asked about mine, which is my fault. It wouldn't hit 50. from. I graduated from Terry High School, which I was one of the beginning um, graduating, first handful of graduating classes. So, of course, I'm old, but I'm not my, not 50 years removed uh, just yet. So that didn't make the mark, although Byron would have, but that is no longer um, with us in terms of a school. Uh, but, Rhino, I didn't even think about asking in terms of Tupelo, would your high schools have made the made the fit the bill? Or uh, you have not a newer... the high school field, because that – that campus was built with the stadium, I want to say, in the early 90s, like 93-ish, maybe earlier than that. But I do know there are fields in the area that are 50-plus. Like, uh, is it? It's not Lawhorn. Somebody will have to correct me from Tupelo. It's been forever since I've actually been to that particular stadium. But there's a stadium with the Art Deco style and everything, and if I'm not mistaken... Franklin Roosevelt, the president, spoke at that stadium. Well, he brought up a good point thinking about uh, back to Meridian and the fact that it can seat 15,000, that stadium there. Forgive me, the name passes, but you know what it is. I mean, before you had all of like the Brandon Amphitheater and you had all of these wonderful event uh, venues that our communities have now built over the last couple of decades, your football fields were your largest gathering place. I mean, that's where if you were going to have, I guess, a concert or any form of rally or you wanted to have like an event come through, then the football stadium or I guess not typically stadium, I'm going to guess most of them are probably outdoor not having like the really built. Well, I guess they're all outdoor. Okay, you know I'm, th- I'm thinking we don't not, have many domes for high school. Any domes for high school? <laughs> Robbins Field in Tupelo. Yeah, it was built in like the mid to late twenties, and it's got Art Deco styling from that era. That you can't get in a in a new build. No, I was sharing with Nash during the break here on Good Things. Um, my husband, who played at Heidelberg Academy, which is no longer uh, with us, but then also at Quitman. You know, we're talking about twenty now twenty twenty five years ago, and when he you know he keeps up with high school football intently, but he hadn't been to a lot of games like in person, and going from those particular venues and then switching over to where we're at now, our children go to um, Brandon. If you've never been into their new facility, I mean, it rivals what some, you know, college stadiums look like on a smaller scale, but still with the jumbotrons and all of the lights and all of the, you know, updated sort of things. And it was mind boggling to him that high school athletes, you know, play and, you know, that kind of um, facility. So you think about, if as it has sort of changed, you go to these facilities for the first time, it does feel almost like you've taken because there is something about being uncomfortable 
in one of the old school kind of football fields where the Skeeters really can get you. And you wonder if the if the stadium, I mean, if the um, bleachers are going to hold up because they squeak. You might catch a splinter or not. You're not sure. I mean, there is something it hits a little different in those particular um, venues versus the new fancier, shinier ones. Although, you know, you like nice things, so you don't want to take away from. I don't think everything should stay just old and outdated, but there is there is some nuance to like going, you know, sort of to a one that's considered historic. I was trying to think of the way old just doesn't seem nice. Historic sounds so much better. I don't know if a stadium has survived for decades upon decades. I think it's okay with being called old. Well, I think that's where. If if it's in your hometown, you can call it old. If it's in somebody else's hometown, it's historic. You have you know you have to know how to sort of say it with with. But in the bless your heart lingo, and the, the bless those stadiums that have seen generational players, they do produce the best hamburgers, hot dogs, <laughs> and tend to have the nachos that actually come in the container with the cheese and none of this. Cheese pre-packaged, pre-packaged mess. mess, ruining every, all of our immune systems being ruined. Because throw it all in there, squirt it all on top, put the jalapenos right there in the cheese, so the juice melts down, and have to lick my fingers to to finish it all. Don't, yeah, don't make me do it. <laughs> I may have a little, I'm being a little disgruntled. No, not at all. Thank you so much for chiming in. You really do make good things great, but stick with us. You got more football talk coming up next with the boys from Sports Talk from 3 to 6. But Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.